Welcome to Remodel Your Life. We are shining the light on women working in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female cabinet maker in California in bringing together kitchen remodeling and working with your hands for a living. Welcome your host, Camille Finan. Hey guys, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, happy summer. We've had a really a uh, really fun month off of not recording and kind of enjoying ourselves. I hope you guys are doing the same. And uh, we're getting ready for our next series of interviews. And so we're doing something a little bit different on the podcast for fall, which is we're going deeper into a lot of the subjects that a bunch of you have expressed an interest in. I know personally, there's a whole bunch of you trying to figure out, should you stay at your job, your current job, your current job site? Should you move up? How do you start your own business? Like, what do you do? What's the next step, right? So I've got an incredible woman here, Dawn Mates, who's going to basically walk us through how do you create a six-figure or a seven-figure business? And um, she's going to share her, her journey as a general contractor, as a woman in California. She's been doing this for a really long time. She is a grandmother of three, believe it or not, even though she only looks 40 years old. And so Dawn, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about um, how you even got into being becoming a general contractor and what that journey was for you? I know we're going to go deep into a lot of these areas over the next few weeks, but bring us up to speed with kind of, you know, in a quick way, if you can, how did you become a general contractor? Thank you, Camille, for having me on the show. I mean, I just love your show. It's so fantastic. And especially because there's just so many lovely and amazing women. So to start my story off, I have to go back to, I grew up in the Midwest. Fabulous, tiny little kick-ass town <laughs> that... That really uh, was a great place to live and grow up, but it was very limited in its scope of thinking beyond the 5,000 people that lived there. And so I graduated high school in three years because I was dying to get out of there, went to college courses in my, uh, during my high school, and um, loved, loved, loved college and education. I felt like that was my way out of there and decided to, uh, after one year of college in uh, Southern Illinois, I decided to hitch a ride with a girlfriend who was living in LA and she said I could live in her parents' house with her and go to UCLA. And I thought, oh my God, UCLA, I don't even think I can ever get into anything, let alone mm -hmm. a school like that. Um, it was just beyond my vision. And, you know, I started to see how she was comfortable 
thinking bigger than where I was. I was in a podunk little town, beautiful, great family, but no one taught me how to think bigger than where I was. Occasionally, occasionally I'd get into a conversation with my mother about, well, honey, you can do anything you put your mind to, you know, which was helpful. (laughs) But what does that mean? (laughs) There was no fucking direction. (laughs) And so I was a super student in, in, uh, at least in high school and, and middle school and all that wanted to please everybody. And so I always got great grades. Now, fast forward in college, looking back, I had a terrible education. Um, It didn't prepare me whatsoever for what was ahead at the big university, right? So traveling out, I had $200 to my name, packed in the back of a white Torino with my (laughs) girlfriend and her boyfriend was driving. We took like four days to, to, um, to drive out to California because, you know, hey, back way back in um, cave, cave lady days, right? I'm that mm-hmm. old. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we just were so happy and so excited just to get on the road. So I was, I think I was only um, 19 at the time. And my parents said, bye, see you later. You'll be back. <laughs> I never freaking went back to that Midwest gloom and doom. Yeah. Sorry for those who live there, but I, I really survived well in sunlight. Sunshine. And, yeah, yeah. Sunshine. Yeah. Yeah. And I was dreaming of palm trees and, you know, beaches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, that's how I moved West. I live in San Diego and all of my experience has been basically in uh, Southern California. Mm -hmm. And so what did you do? I'm just curious though, because I mean, not everybody knows, but like outside of San Jose and Silicon Valley, right up near me in in Uh Northern California, and then down by you, by UCLA. And that's incredibly competitive areas. (laughs) So you basically went from no competition, right? Big fish in a little teeny pond to tiny, tiny fish in a huge pond. I'm just curious, like psychologically, how did you do at UCLA? Because talk about right into them, a huge rat race of people, right? All super ambitious, all really trying to get somewhere. Like, did you just fit in right away? Or were you like, wow, I didn't even know there's a whole nother game to play. Like, where were Mm -hmm. you in that, in that scope Mm -hmm. when you first arrived? I was, I had no idea what I was doing, first of all. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I got here and I used to wear those, you know, those wraparound skirts. I had this, oh, one, my oh my God, one blue one. I only wore hand-me-down clothes because that's, yeah. we were very low, low, yeah. low class middle. And uh, so I got here and my girlfriend says, look, the first thing you need to do is change, get rid of those clothes, would you? Right. And so that's where I was at. That's my reality. That was what. I was all about basic, basic living. And so to introduce me to a concept that I had no idea is almost like, you know, kind of um, when you're naively going to start something and you don't have a clue, you Mm -hmm. just kind of jump in and you go, okay, sure. That sounds fun. And you have no idea. Well, that's kind of where I was at. Um, 
I really didn't get into UCLA right away. I had to go to Santa Monica City College. It was huge. And yeah, it's still very crowded. competitive. <laughs> yes, yeah. and crowded and mm-hmm. overwhelming. And um, I, I, I craved the education piece. That was my goal. I yeah. had no other goal whatsoever. Um, so I knew right away. Uh, growing up in the Midwest, there's such a strong work ethic, Camille. I just mm-hmm. don't know how to describe it, except that. Work always came first. Work always started first thing in the morning. My mother would come in and throw covers off and get up at 7 a.m. No messing around. Yeah. Yeah. It's just not an option. You're just doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I took that with me. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't afraid of hard work. I've never been afraid of hard work. In fact, I can outwork any contract, any other contractor. Mm. Um, so that was one key thing I knew, I mean, you know, I didn't, I didn't intellectually know it, but looking back, I knew I could, you could do it. You were ambitious. Do it. Like you knew I you knew had I to, could do it. to knuckle and to get in there. So what did yeah. you study at UCLA eventually? Like, what did you end up graduating with? So I went to two, two and a half years to Santa Monica city college. That was the only way that I could uh, apply again and get in. Uh, with that AA. And uh, I studied uh, social psychology, of all things. Uh, I did not have a fancy background. I did, I just barely, the first quarter, I, you know, was going to get kicked out unless I shaped up, didn't have a clue how to study, didn't have a clue how to take tests, didn't know anything. In fact, at UCLA, you're just a number. Nobody really, you don't even have a face, you know, you just... And it was very disheartening uh, in one way, but it was very freeing in another way. And so I knew I had to kick myself in the ass, probably cried every night trying to figure out how to write a paper because I never mm-hmm. learned that either growing up in high school. Um, so I had a lot of catching up to do and I, I've i made it out of there. I paid everything myself, cocktailed at night, waitressed at night, did whatever it took, never had any, what you call college experience, um, college fun. Really, I I stuck to that work ethic concept. Um, That's because that's all I knew, really. I didn't really know how to have fun and had no real girlfriends except uh, my one friend, Linda, that brought me out here and Mm-hmm. Um, said I could do it. Right. So somebody believed in me. So I figured, well, I must be able to do it then. Right. And, um, I've always kind of been like that, you know, um, I'll try it. Let's go, let's do it. So that got me quite far. I did graduate. And then I had, you know, of course I had a, a whole mess of loans, um, like most people did back then. And, I said to myself, well, shit, I can't get a job. What am I going to do with a social psychology (laughs) degree? What the hell is that? Okay, so I can talk to people. You know, I can be a better waitress now. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. And Uh, so uh, I decided I'd just keep going to school. You know, that was, you know, you got to start repaying those loans after a short period of time. So, Mm -hmm. but if you roll it over into a master's program, 
oh my God, it's fantastic. Let's keep going. So that's kind of what I did. And I, and I graduated um, with my master's in marriage and family counseling. <laughs> right. Sorry. I'm not I laughing at all, the, all, at all the MFTs out there. I'm not laughing at you. I'm just saying, yeah. If you want to make a lot of money and have a job, like that's not exactly those two combinations make it a little bit difficult oh, unless you really know what you're doing and create a thriving yeah, practice. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, so an MFT, right. marriage and that's family right. therapist. Okay. That's right. um, you know, it was my way of moving on with small town America. Yeah. And it was my way of building my confidence. I didn't have any confidence in um, achievability kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Now I knew, I knew I could get there, get to the short-term goals, graduating and things like that. I had no clue. I didn't, I wasn't taught how to go to what am I supposed to do next for a job? No one in those days thought ahead. We were just thinking, you know, Hey, let's graduate. So because my family in the summers demanded that all of us four kids worked, um, alongside my parents in construction. My father was a plumber, an incredible man, a lover, a full-on Italian dude, and he just loved his kids. And we all shoveled pea gravel in the basement. (laughs) You know, we did what pea gravel. Yeah. I know, right? We of of all the gravels, I love pea gravel the most. Yeah, isn't that awesome? You can hold it in your hand and it oh feels so And it feels it feels yeah. so good when you like stick the shovel in, right? It has this like yeah. it's like it's very satisfying feeling when you go to scoop it, right? Yes. It really does. Yeah. Um yeah. all right. So there's you worked- something so awesome Can't- about the yeah. physicality of working right. every yes. summer on that, whether it was uh, my, my parents built one spec house every summer that yeah. I can kind of recall. And so that was really a fun, um, family time, if you can call it that. Yeah. Um, and we really loved, uh, doing that together with, with my, uh, mom and dad. And, that, and that's where I think, you know, sometimes you pick up stuff you don't even know you picked up, mm-hmm. uh, so it was very physical and very concrete in many ways. Uh, so, so when I finished my master's, I had a, you know, just to kind of jump ahead a little bit, I did have a, you know, an internship, my own private practice, which is basically my own job. You know, you had to find the clients and you had to, you were overseen by a uh, psychologist, but Mm -hmm. you, you did, you did have your own clientele. This is a funny story. First day client uh, counseling, right? The girl's like, wow, are you good? How long have you been doing this? Well, about 30 minutes. <laughs> it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And so when did you, so let's say there were a couple of years went by, well, you got uh-huh. your master's, but then when uh-huh. did you start to think, okay, now what the heck am I going to do? And how did you get from being that to not even to becoming a general contractor, because we're going to do that in the next episode, but how did you get from, you know, completely thinking academically, right? You're in a suit Mm -hmm. or you're in nice clothes inside of an office, inside of a room, right? Not doing really anything physical during the day. It's all mental. How did you Mm -hmm. make the shift from that to going, 
you know what? I think I want to have an entire career out of doing something incredibly physical. Like walk me through that journey without giving away how you actually became a general contractor. Cause we're going to do that in the next episode. Okay. Super. Um, I loved the interaction with people, uh, the one-on-one in their world, but I started to, to be really honest, Camille, I started to lose interest. I started to, you know, when I was yawning in the middle of their personal conversation, (laughs) that's not a good sign. I started to think, well, why am I doing this? Why am I, I started to ask myself questions and those questions, um, partially gave me a, I don't know, a glimpse into, is there something else? Is there something else out there that I would really feel passionate about love? Um, so, and I did enjoy the group therapy. I, I really, really love being an interactive group, being the director, the mm-hmm. person, um, in that group that was, um, leading and guiding, you know, flat, fast, fast forward. That was a perfect precursor to general contracting, right. but but AKA, I I, AKA bossing people around. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. But it was on a feeling level, you know, yes. tell, you know tell the group what you're feeling. Let's yes. talk a little bit more about that. Does anyone have to, you know, is anybody able to contribute to that? You know, mm-hmm. um, those kinds of things. I learned how to listen, although I need to keep practicing. Um, I learned how to listen effectively to other people. All of those skills, and this is one thing I have to say that the audience, all of us need reminder. Every single thing that has happened to us, whether it seems like a wonky left turn or a far right off the path turn, is absolutely perfect absolutely perfect. I can't tell. I've got a lot of years behind me and I have to say those years have reinforced the fact that everything that's happened to me has been super beneficial, Mm -hmm. super important, life-changing. Now that I can look back and say, oh my God, some, some women talk about the fact that they they had some bad experiences, trauma, victimized, abused. Um, and we can go into that. But I think the important key piece is after the grieving occurs and after that long, hard mm, grieving process, you know, the Kubler-Ross, the sense of dying and all those steps that you go through with all that trauma and that, you know, um, that someone... Uh, has done something to you at some point you decide and I had to decide when I went through a very difficult first marriage am I going to is this it am I going to Mm -hmm. soar or am I going to be wilting like a dead flower and put up with put up with this is this all there is is this the only life I have right is the aftermath going to be basically the rest of your future. Right. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Yeah. And there there is something inside of me. Um, you know, we can talk about relationships, but I'd like to get back to where we were, but 
you know, the, the, there's something inside of each one of us entrepreneurs that, and, and even if you're in a job, you have the itch, there's an itch there, or you would have never taken on a career in a male dominated (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. There's something about you that wants to do something different. That's and right. that's sort of swimming upstream. I agree with that's that. Right. And that's I, right. I love, I've heard you say this many times, but every single experience in your life matters. So even if it feels like you're in a, in a dark place or a place, it's not, you don't feel like you're making any progress that you're still learning something that's going to help you later on. And I think that's kind of what you're basic. That's what you're saying. And I've had the exact same experience that yeah. even the stuff that, you know, I mean, I also have a graduate and a master's degree like you do. And I could go, did that really help me? Like, God, yeah. <laughs> I just could have gotten so much more. I could have done so much more in those years I spent there. But then when I really think about it, they were preparing my brain for the things I'm able to do now, right? Like right. they were they were helping expand my the way I look at things. It wasn't just the physical things I was learning, right? Yes, so right. Um, it's, it's sometimes hard, to, well, it's 100% hard to see that. When you're in the middle of see, yes. the middle of it, right? Yeah. But yeah. for those of us that are a little further down the road, it's for sure that every single thing you're doing now is going to help you in the future. So That's I right. love that you're saying that. Um, okay, so we don't want to give too much away for what's coming up, but yeah. So you basically started to get this itch that you wanted to do something different, something more, something where you really were passionate about it. So mm-hmm. when did you make the choice to go? Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna stop even trying to become an MFT or do that as a job, as a, as a business. And I'm thinking I'm going to do something in construction. Like when did that decision happen? When I, when I was uh, in my first marriage, uh, I married the professor in the, in the master's program. Mm. (laughs) And um, oh my God, someone loved me. I couldn't believe it. Of course you had to marry him. Right. <laughs> Someone loves me for who I am. You know, I just never really dated a lot. And I really never had that sense of, hey, I am, I am really something else. You know, I never really had that kind of confidence, especially in relationships. I didn't even know how to talk to men, let alone be in a relationship. And so all the education was fantastic and in, in you know, kind of bringing up my self-esteem from that Midwestern poor-ish background, even though I had an entrepreneurial spirit. spirit, I sold those um, hot pads, you know, those little hot pads where you loop them uh, and you weave them underneath. I would go door to door in my childhood with Uh all these bright, incredible colors. People loved them and they would pay me money at Christmas time for all these hot pads. And then I used to always you know, ride my bicycle to Mrs. Sternberg's house because she was like a uh, hundred years old and needed her chin tweezed of all things. Right. So I took on all these jobs, but so that entrepreneurial spirit was there. I, you know, in counseling, um, bore in me kind of a confidence that I, I know that I can always work for minimum wage doing someone else's counseling work underneath them. Okay. So that was a given the minimum hurdle I could handle. Mm -hmm. So as time went on, I just, like I said, I was not enjoying the one-on-one and I liked groups. So at some point you have to take your 
um, marriage and family licensing exam. Mm -hmm. I studied for months and months and weeks and weeks, and I'm not a very good student. Uh, Concentration is really tough for me with written words. I'm really good hands-on. I'm really good, you know, Mm -hmm. show me, not read it to me. And so I didn't pass that. That was the transition when I said, do I have the balls to take this test again? Do I have the a year of studying ahead of me? Can I handle it? And the answer really was no. And <clears throat> part of the reason was that I didn't have the passion. It wasn't there. Yeah. It, you know, that failure was a really good thing. That failure, and that's the other point I want to make, failures are are completely complete feedback for your life. Mm-hmm. It tells you, it gives you new direction. Do you, that makes you ask, are you, you know, I mean, this is a bad pun, but are you man enough to um, go for it again? Mm-hmm. I mean, cause it's not unusual. You take an exam, you know, whether it be a lawyer exam, yeah. you know, your law exam it or, often takes more than one time. That's right. That's right. So, um, while I was married, and I did have a, a beautiful daughter in my first marriage. She healed me from so many things, um, you know, bulimia, anorexia, over concentrating on my body and weight. And am I, you know, am I physically good enough? And yeah. it really was, it, it was such a struggle. I, I just always felt like, you know, my body wasn't wasn't what it should be. It should be skinnier. It should be thinner. It should be, you know, uh, I should fit into everything <laughs> that I try on. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that was a huge, that was a, a lot of my, oh, I don't know, from 19 to 20, 25 or 30. And when I had my daughter at 25, that was the beginning of the healing process. Mm. In the middle of that, I had a bad relationship uh, with her dad. It was, um, there was a lot of emotional abuse. That was tough. Yeah. And that yeah. was tough. It wasn't physical, but, you know, in some ways I wish it was. I mean, you could at least, you, you know, see it. S- see it. it was yeah. deeply embedded into uh, the core of who I was. And, mm-hmm. you know, after he uh, fell in love with my best friend, I decided, you know what? Failing my master's licensing exam and dealing with the pressure of tolerating someone who was not faithful I just decided that that I it broke my back I was ready to go you know um so what I didn't say is that I built two houses during that time in my 20s Hmm. um and we can go into that later but um so I wanted (laughs) to give give that background Um, It's just so, so hard when you have so much emotional bullshit and baggage Mm -hmm. and crap that someone has control over your mind. You've given it up yourself. You've believed someone yourself. And for them to take away uh, everything good about who you are, really, it it really has wears on you badly. And uh, so I had to really scrape it together. I remember just, I don't even think I had any money at the time. 
maybe a few hundred dollars, loaded my red Jeep. It was so cute. At least I had that. (laughs) (laughs) And with my daughter in the car seat and we just, you know, left, um, I gave them plenty of time to change their mind about, you know, who they were in love with Mm -hmm. each other. And like, God bless you. Good luck. And fuck you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And, um, so what happened to me was anger took over Mm. anger, anger took over my life for probably five years. And I can get angry just thinking about it, but (laughs) I, I did go to therapy myself for probably about eight years, which really helped a lot. Um, but no, it, during that time, anger was incredibly powerful for me, mm-hmm. incredibly powerful. And I just have to say that wherever you're at, whatever you're going through, let your emotions give you that inspiration to change. Yeah. I love and it. Sometimes emotions fuck with us and they don't, they don't yeah. really help at the moment. But when you sit back and you say, you know what, I'm really pissed off or I'm really angry or I'm so frozen with tears, I can't do anything. Maybe you shouldn't be doing anything at that moment. Maybe you should just sit tight Um, a lot. Give yourself some room, you know, and I never forgave myself. Give yourself room. Forgive yourself. Be kind to yourself. Start to treat yourself like you really matter. And that took me a a while to understand, to kind of weave my way through that anger. Um, You know, I just hated men. Mm -hmm. I hated all men at that point. Uh, And, you know, it was good because it protected me. Your brain protects yourself constantly. And your brain says, this is too much to handle. So let's go to a a different um, survival emotion. And anger, that was that for me. Yeah. Well, I love that you are showing that as women, we can have very strong emotions, right? And nobody yeah. likes an angry woman, but you know what? An angry woman yeah. on fire can get a oh, lot yeah. of shit done. So you got I, that right. I think this is a good stopping point because I know the story just goes nothing but up from there. So yeah. I want to be able to have everybody sort of Think about everything that you've said so far and then get ready for the next series of episodes where we're going to get deep into all the amazing things that you did build Mm -hmm. and how that's going to be such an inspiration for so many women coming, you know, coming up behind you. And specifically, like you are super pro becoming a general contractor and, Mm -hmm. you know, being able to basically control the job site and how Mm -hmm. you feel that so many women are so well suited to that. And yet it is such a small percentage of women, but they're really well suited to that. And you have some just some incredible insight into how to make that work and and how to build a six figure, seven figure business. So ladies, if you're listening, Dawn is coming back. We're going to get deep into this in part two, part three, four, five. Um, Some of the things that are coming up just so that you can be, um, you know, getting ready and getting excited is like, you know, how to evaluate where you are now and and maybe how to think beyond the current job that you have, right? She's going to help you think about how how to leverage that. Maybe how to optimize the business that you have now, instead of just thinking about it as one trade, right? One trade syndrome. I love how you describe that, how to build a bigger vision for yourself 
and just so much more that's coming up. So Don, I just, we are going to get into the more uh, relationship stuff and the more emotional stuff. But for now, I just want everybody to be really excited about what you have to share. And we're so glad you made it. <laughs> we're so Thank glad you. you made it through. <laughs> yeah. So next episode, ladies, we're going to talk about basically the evolution of Dawn and how she actually became to be doing full-time physical, becoming a general contractor and what the steps were that she took to actually make that happen. for listening to remodel your life i sure have enjoyed being with you today and if you really like our show we'd love it if you would subscribe through itunes you can always send us feedback through email at camille at remodelyourlifepodcast.com and i'll see you next week thank you for listening to the remodel your life podcast This episode has ended, but your remodeling journey can continue. Head over to RemodelYourLifePodcast.com to access all the resources, tools, and links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, get your hands dirty and create the life you want from the foundation up. And thanks again to Blue Apron. I just love cooking with them and so appreciate their support of my show. (laughs) 